Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and this week, a special edition of the show, because it's a special edition of a Rams game, as the Rams will be hosting the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night football, uh, I guess. Uh, Usually, hey, Monday night football in the playoffs, Uh, and that'll be this coming Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals at home at SoFi Stadium. Uh, The world is uh, watching, certainly, for some uh, Matthew Stafford versus Kyler Murray, and uh, the NFL gets his wish, perhaps, of a playoff game uh, at SoFi Stadium ahead of, of course, the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium, assuming there will have to be any uh, uh, moving around uh, screwery, we'll call it. <laughs> I don't know if I swear on this podcast or not, to be honest with you, Joe. I think some people they it really they really get bothered by uh swear words. Well, you do now if we're if we're just throwing screwery out there. I hope there's no kids listening. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to make sure everyone's uh listening as possible. <laughs> uh but yeah, so with me, as I've uh, now alluded to, Joe McAtee, uh formerly of Turf Show Times. Um, and one of the best Rams follows on Twitter or uh, in general, you can find him at 3K underscore. And uh, welcome back, Joe. Man, let's get into some screwery, huh? What a, what a, what a, what a time for it. Let's times. get into some screwery. Uh, I, 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 this, this just comes into my mind often. So it just came into my head uh, this morning, just before we started recording. And I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, which is the more that it's, it's outside of the Rams, maybe who knows what it could happen in the future, but it's outside of the Rams. Um, but I, I just like, I think I like Antonio Brown more now, to be honest with you. I'm curious what your thoughts were on Antonio Brown's exit and, uh, sort of his post exit, um, lifestyle. You know, you know what I think was the the most unset and the part that made it just kind of weird for everybody was how happy he was. Like uh-huh. if he had been like pissed off and it stormed out, <laughs> everybody everybody would have understood. Okay, he's pissed off at this, but he was like celebrating, yeah. almost like you know, like a like a 1970s soccer player to rip his shirt <laughs> off and is throwing his hands in the air. And I think it was one of those things that just made it more unstable and maybe maybe more unsettling. So I think that that was the thing that kind of threw me off was just that smile. When somebody's uh-huh. smiling in a situation that they should not be smiling, that's always creepy. You know, I, I, I gotta, you know, for me, I, I totally understand that. And I, uh, I think, um, you know, Antonio Brown saying afterwards that, Hey, listen, it was a big moment. I had everybody in the crowd cheering for me, or at least that's how he <laughs> perceived it. And, uh, I was feeling too sexy for my shirt. So I took it off. <laughs> And when he says that, I'm like, that's a, that's a good point. I'm like, Hey, sometimes maybe you do just feel like, cause listen, to me, it's like, isn't Antonio Brown and, and like uh, this type of character in the NFL, sort of what fans uh, pretend to wish for, like somebody who's like, cause I, what I always liked about somebody like Kanye West was if he goes up on stage during Taylor Swift's thing, it's like, Man, that's a guy living in a world who's aware that he's that guy in that world and that people will talk about it. And to me, it's like Antonio Brown is like, people want this to be a big moment. They don't want some boring thing. I can have the biggest story of the day. And I think that's why he's smiling. 
I just think there's all whether it's whether it's a Antonio Brown or what Terrell Owens get your popcorn ready or uh-huh. Ron Artest or gosh who else is like this? There's hockey. Remember we used to have hockey goons that were like this that that hold the crowd in their sway because you never you literally never know what's going to happen. I don't know, man. I like I like a much more boring life. Maybe I'm getting old and I like a little bore. I, li- I like a good fullback, a good two yard run, and then straight to the bench with you. That's yeah. like that's my kind of guy that I like. You got to imagine too, like if Antonio Brown just felt like really his ankle was so bad that he wasn't going to play. If he felt in any way like maybe I don't have it right now and I'm not going to be uh, good for the rest of the season, and then he goes well, I'm probably not coming back here anyway. I might as well go out as the biggest possible story and then, you know, get healthy and maybe I'll feel, because I don't think he wants to play. He doesn't want to be out there when he's not 100% because he doesn't want to look bad. He never wants to look bad as a football player. He would much rather look bad as a person. So I think like, and I don't think he looks bad. I think like, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I think he's been pretty respectful actually. And I think he's been, uh, I think he's come off as someone who's just very like self-aware to those moments, but you know, the Rams, they uh, are certainly one of the teams out there that I think you almost have to wonder if they would get involved with Antonio Brown in the future, um, knowing that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a free agent and Robert Woods has uncertainty with his ACL. So you never know especially, you know, the Rams want to be a team in the news. So to what I also think it's one of these things where we, we oversimplify these things too often to say, Oh, this guy's, you know, whatever the cliche you want to use a locker room cancer or a headache off the field or those kind of things. You didn't really hear a lot of complaints about him as a teammate. There's not a lot of his conduct that was deemed unprofessional. You know what I mean? In terms of his time with Tampa Bay, it's just that he's so volatile that, that in these moments he can explode. Although I, I, I will what what's what do I have to do? We're getting close to the Olympics. I'll dock him half a point for not going full slap shot. Like if you're gonna get rid of the shirt, <laughs> keep going, man. Yeah, keep, you know, there's 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 some women in the crowd that would have liked a a, a game worn pants from Antonio Brown. Give the fans what they want, AB. Come on, man. Next time, you know, he's got to save something for next time. Got to top yourself somehow. I I don't know. Yeah, it'll be tough for him. It'll be interesting to see what his uh, actual market would will look like. I remember this is a dude that froze his foot skin off just for hard knocks. This is not, this is not like a normal character. Again, like, yeah, he, he's like, this is the moment. I, their TV cameras are here. People, this show is boring. you know, like nobody tell me one thing that has happened in Colts hard knocks this year. Cause I couldn't imagine trying to predict that. Like, like imagine trying to be like, here's my hot take. He's going to arrive with a frozen foot. <laughs> I think what? like everybody, and I think uh, if if the end of Antonio Brown's career comes uh, this year, or and I'm sure it will come, you know, in the, in the future. But when that career, I think TV studios, anybody, you know, he'll have plenty of deals in the future for people hey, just being like, because hey, he's got a nice smile. Put that smile on camera. Somebody will watch it. Um, speaking of somebody to watch it, somebody will watch Monday Night Football here on ESPN. Somebody, uh, somebody might. Somebody we'll get, might. We'll get a couple people. Uh, I sent out. I had a survey this week. A, a version mm. of uh, I like have. I love polling the fans, polling especially polling the Rams fans and the Turf Show Times fans because you know I know that they. 
they carry so much more history and, and everything and knowledge with this team than I do. And it's been great to just sort of find out what the fans think, because I think a general consensus on consensus on, on fan opinions are important for a lot of reasons. One of them too, being just like sort of hindsight, because I've seen how uh, uh, you know, how quickly things change or, you know, emotions change. So we even saw with some, you know, with Joe judge, right. Where it's like, Oh, this guy's going to be safe. And then it was like, how quickly that can change just based on maybe one play, you know, well, it was also, this guy's going to be fired before this guy's going to be safe. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, absolutely. And so, um, I loved, I love pulling the fans. I think the fans are the experts. That's my motto. And I have 10 questions here. So I have some answers, Joe, you'll, you'll get the exclusive first look at the answers and we can talk about what your answer would be how does that sound so inside politics let's hear what you got from the morning consult um well right after the news broke that the rams re-signed eric weddle um i signed re-signed you know put eric weddle on the practice squad after the injury news to jordan fuller and taylor rapp um and the question is how concerned are you with eric weddle replacing jordan fuller at safety for the playoffs on a one to five scale. Uh, Joe, with regards to concern at safety because of these injuries, where would you put it at a one to five? Well, I, I don't know that it's as simple as, you know, saying that Eric Weddle's replacing Jordan Fuller. Right. But, but I guess I, I would say probably, I, I see your poll here. I'll go with one that it's not going to make a huge difference. I don't think the safety position is terribly mm-hmm. important for the way this defense is constructed, which is part of the reason they didn't re-sign John Johnson, part of the reason why they've been uh, in position to let a guy like Jordan Fuller, a six-round pick, come in as a rookie and earn a starting role. Um, it's just where it's at in terms of the, the value to this defense. So I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think cornerback play is much, 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 much more important, and especially when you got Jalen Ramsey out there. Yeah. You can center a lot of your secondary around what he's doing. So I, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's a fun kind of thing to bring a guy back that, you know, after 2018 tried to, to you know, get one ride to the Super Bowl before mm-hmm. his career was over, and it just didn't happen, obviously, in 2019. But now there's a chance to kind of give him a second chance at that. I think that's pretty fun. Yeah, what um, I, you know, from all of the comments, for the most part on the news that Eric Weddle returned, uh, not exactly a, lo- a lot of glowing reviews about the season that he had with the sure. Rams. Uh, wh- where were you at with regards to the season and how much do you think bringing in Eric Weddle has anything to do with, you know, sort of Jordan role, uh, Jordan Fuller, even at a young age, having a pretty uh, big leadership role already on yeah. the defense? Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, it, obviously, you know, when you've got a guy that after a season isn't able to find an employer for whatever reason, that kind of signals, you know, the level of quality of his play. It's always tough with these kind of guys because you've got a Hall of Fame level career. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to have the argument over Clay Matthews or Eric Weddle as <laughs> Hall of Fame candidates. But, you know, they're certainly in, you know, close to that level, if not obviously there. And so when you've got a career like that and somebody who's at the tail end of it, it's really difficult for fans not to immediately associate their expectations with what their memories are of that guy, especially for guys that have been around for as long as Matthews and Weddle were. I saw, you know, the Arizona Cardinals tweeted out the just a clip of J.J. Watt walking around. And it's like, wait a second, who's intimidated by J.J. Watt anymore? Like, I get it four years ago. Right. It's, it's 2022, man. J.J. Watt is not, you know, five years ago, J.J. Watt. And I think it's just really, really hard for people to disassociate the the 
the ideation we have of these guys because we've known them as being such high level players for so long from what they ultimately are at the end of their career. So I don't expect a ton out of Weddle. I don't think the Rams do either. And like you kind of alluded to at the end there, I don't think that's what they brought him in for. So that's kind of why I lean towards the one is I don't think he's going to be terribly important on the field. I think the Rams are in good position, both in terms of knowing that and being structured not to need him. And that's why they're in the position that they're in going into this playoff run. Right. Well, to uh, your point about maybe I could have worded the question better as well this may have impacted the responses and the answers too to some degree if if some if 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 my questioning but let me ask let me ask you like this while while you're working that out is is eric weddle going to play instead of jordan fuller you think he's going to get all the snaps no i don't think so but i I think like with regards to uh writing the question that way i probably was thinking at the time like while Jordan Fuller and is literally going off of the roster and Eric Weddle is literally Coming going on, yeah. onto the roster as opposed to it being the same. But then again, I, I guess I don't really uh, know uh, to what degree Eric Weddle is expected to play and why we, sure. and like you said, why even sign him if not to play, you know, yeah. you can't not, you can't just be uh, a practice guy, but I mean, at this point, I guess he's just on the practice squad. So who knows uh, to, if he'll be active? I, I don't know. But yeah. uh, with regards to how concerned with if knowing that I worded that way, what would you guess that the uh, fans responded? I would say probably not going to be. I would hope so. Not going to be too much. I'll say somewhere. Well, are, are you averaging these to a specific like number? Is that how the result? Yeah, worked? it gives you like a percentage. Uh, so I'll say like a low two, like a two point two. So it was uh, the most popular answer I can tell you was uh, four. Okay. Uh, and the second most popular was three. And the third most popular was five. And wow. the fourth most popular was two. So the least popular at 5.5% was one. Oh, but again, I could have maybe worded it better. And, yeah. uh, but I think it could also be that people really like Jordan Fuller too. I know? think that's definitely part of it for sure. No, that's part of it. So, uh, but as you say, there are uh, ways to mitigate some, you know, changes at safety. Uh, the second question is which team would have been the p- best possible first round matchup because the Rams were in such a position in week 18 based on their result and based on the results of other games around them, that there was a number of different teams that they could have ended up playing in the first round. Uh, I had which team would have been the best possible first round matchup. The answers that I put down were Rams versus Cardinals, Rams versus Eagles, Rams versus Saints, Rams at Cowboys, and Rams at Bucks. What we saw was uh, Rams versus Cardinals. Um, How favorable do you think that matchup is compared to the other potential games that the Rams could have had? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Eagles and Saints, those are the obvious candidates for for that kind of a question, right? Because they didn't get to 10 wins. They've got some serious talent issues on the roster obviously saints at quarterback and things like that but um I don't, I don't know i don't know that there's a good answer for that i'll go with saints if only because you know i think a post drew Brees saints hasn't really settled in yet especially for moments like this in the postseason where you really got to have your act together um how wide is I, that gap between rams versus saints and rams versus cardinals because all the rams had to do was beat the 49ers to make yeah. that change yeah, I, th- I think it's probably not as much as some people might suggest, if only because I think the Cardinals themselves have roster issues. Remember, they were picking number one overall just three seasons ago. So, yeah, it, they still get the holes that they still have are major holes, but they've obviously added a ton of talent and obviously 
Cliff Kingsbury and the good Lord, Kyler Murray are obviously on the same page. So they're getting a lot done, but I still think they've got some holes that are going to affect them. And obviously as a playoff team, that that's where you start getting kind of annoying and just really putting your thumb on that sore spot and just attacking it over and over and over and over and over. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case for, for the game. So I, I like the matchup. I, you know, I think the Rams are in good position to make a run in these playoffs. And this is what they made the trade for Matt Stafford for from Jared Goff after winning a playoff game last year. So, you know, I, I don't think that any of these matchups would have quote unquote been bad, but I also think that the Rams are just in a position where it kind of doesn't matter who they play. They just got to play the best football. You mentioned that uh, the Rams or the Cardinals were picking uh, first overall just a few years ago. And it also made me think like um, the Bengals in the playoffs this year, Joe Burrow's second year, you know, they, they just had the worst record. They've got Zach Taylor over there as the head coach, uh, you know, an example of a team that unlike, you know, some teams that fired after two years, uh, Zach Taylor, getting more opportunities to really have a lot of have some talent there before they really judged him. Yep. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the Bengals? I'm curious. And look how, look how close they were to going in the opposite direction last season, right now, mm -hmm. obviously Burrow got hurt, but that, yeah. that was, that was looking like it was on the verge of really collapsing and they've gone in the complete opposite direction. This season. fun team. Obviously, like you mentioned, the fact that they were picking number one overall a year ago gives you the idea of how their roster is constructed. You've got these really, really, really bright spots, and then you've got some big, big, big holes. So I, I, I worry that it's going to be a little volatile for a team if they're really going in with real expectations, but I think they're going to be a hell of a lot of fun over the next couple seasons too. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because, I mean, pound for but, pound. But, I mean, look I at the game yeah. that we just saw them play, right? I mean, think about it. Yeah, Uh Pound for pound, I think one of the interesting things is, uh, I mean, Jamar Chase, is there, I don't know if there is a better receiver in the NFL. There's guys that, He's good. Cooper Cup, probably right now, I, want, I would want Cooper Cup out there. But to think of all of the talent that is in Jamar Chase, to think that the, he was playing alongside Justin Jefferson is also crazy. With Joe <laughs> but, Burrow. With Joe Burrow, um, uh, that's that's just wild to see some of the and Jamar Chase is twenty one. I was about to bring up that's the big, last year. That's yeah, the big ahead. difference. Yeah, he's young, young, young compared to Cup, who came in, uh -huh. you know, several years older and took how, a couple of years to kind of adjust. Right. How how, uh, how what do you think is Cooper Cup's like uh, next two three year timeline? Like, how much do you think you adjust um, expectations? Like because on one hand what should change next year why shouldn't he continue to get this much attention and, and why sure. shouldn't he be so good at what he does on the other hand sometimes i just go like i'm always hesitant to think that a player when he has this type of a season i'm always like it's got to yeah. be significantly less next year yeah of course i mean I, I think it's fair to expect the drop off in terms of outputs but he's he'll still be i think the same quality i think those kind of things though have a lot more to do about everything else in the offense right so when we're getting into week four next year what is the best kind of outputs that we want to see from this office assuming that a robert woods is back healthy and b that odell beckham jr is still around right like we haven't seen robert woods and odell beckham jr play with cooper cup together so right it's one of those situations that we talked about years ago with Sammy Watkins and then Brandon Cooks is how do you spread this ball around? Not, not because you want to keep everybody happy, but how do you spread it around in the most effective way possible so that you're making the most progress? The Rams did a great job of that, obviously, in 2018, and then kind of struggled with that the next two years. This year was so 
top heavy with Cooper Cup's outputs. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the best offense that they can run next year, but I think it depends more on what the other opportunities are. And that also includes Cam Akers, right? If uh-huh. Cam Akers is fully back healthy and that changes the viability of the running game, that may mean more groundwork and less passing opportunities. So I don't, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Cup, you know, has like a 15, 20% reduction in like fantasy points and fantasy outputs, but is still playing at an incredibly high level and the Rams offense gets even better. I could totally see that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which uh, players are around him next year, how much confidence uh, Sean McVay has in the wide receivers that have been drafted recently. Yeah. Look um, at Van Jeffrey or Tutu Adwell. It's a, it's a, it's, it's so hard to even think about what the offense is going to look next year with everybody back. Yeah. Jacob Harris, is he going to develop sure. a player ready? Next Jake year? Funk. Jake Funk. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, with uh, the next question, um, we've we've mentioned some former number one pick quarterbacks, and another one is Matthew Stafford. Uh, his first season as a Rams quarterback, regular season has wrapped up. 41 touchdowns, uh, lots of good things, lots of explosive plays. Uh, probably uh, more bad plays uh, to some degree than we saw last year uh, and in, maybe with Jared Goff, but uh, it's kind of interesting to think of that balance and Stafford goes into the playoffs with unfortunately seven interceptions in his last three games, a fumble lost, um, which to what degree you really blame that on Matthew Stafford. Right. I don't know, but uh, how confident are you that Matthew Stafford will play good or better versus the Cardinals defense on monday night football another one to five question joe what do you what is your uh confidence in matthew stafford in this playoff game you mean good or better than he did last time or i think just a general good or better good or better uh i, I got like you better good than or good great or i got fantastic. you yeah no i think overall the level will probably be good i think the level's been good for the last what two months i think the problem is what you alluded to he's prone to uh, you know it's not, it's not an interception. It's more than that. It's a, it's a decision that you're just looking at and going, what, like, what, how do you, what? It's a, it's so unbelievable because he's so capable of doing all the hard things that when he makes a mistake like that, it's unbelievable, especially where he's been making these mistakes on the field and in what conditions. So yeah, I I don't, I don't really have any concerns that, you know, Stafford is going to play poorly. The quality of his play has been fantastic overall. It's just that he's prone to these moments that are incredibly, incredibly uh, penalizing, right? Where where you you just can't afford to give up field position inside your own thirty, or let alone pick sixes against quality teams. That that just diminishes your chances of winning so 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 greatly. Because the, the you know we're not talking about random teams now. We're talking about Tampa's and Green Bay's, and you can't give yourself that kind of a deficit when it's yeah. avoidable, and they've been avoidable, and so. I, th- I think I don't have a, I don't have any concerns about the level of play. My concern is that the we, we need a name for it. What we need to come up with a name for these Stafford interceptions, the just the weirdo like what are you doing interceptions? I think it's fair for everybody to be concerned that one of those might be popping up. Yeah, there's um yeah there's weirdo interceptions for sure. It's like that combination you get. Like I think uh, I'm a big big fan of Zach Wilson. I'm a huge fan of Zach Wilson. I think like if I could. I know how bad he played this year though, too. You know, it's like, I still think he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, but I know that like you get those weird interceptions. It's, it's a weirder. It's obviously much weirder when that quarterback is in his 12th, 13th season and he's still throwing those uh, really uh, just 
pass, bad, bad, bad passes that are going to the wrong team and uh, in the wrong part of the field. Um, yeah, but when you got that protection and those fantastic wide receivers that they've got, yeah, I mean, you just can't accept those interceptions, Kenny. You're <laughs> to Denzel Mims. Uh, that's true. Uh, one thing, uh, two interesting quarterback uh, related to win loss record stats. Um, I think is one is obviously the Rams are six and oh when Matthew Stafford doesn't throw an interception, um, which makes them crap. I have to do some math. Uh, six and five when uh, he does throw an interception, which again, it's like, well, yeah, you're going to do worse when the, you have turnovers. This is a, a known fact, you know? So six and oh without an interception. But another one being that the Rams are. Do, 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 uh, nine or nine and one when he sacked one or fewer times, Yikes. um, and three and four when he sacked multiple times. How do you feel about the offensive line going to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, that's the concern coming out of the last game, right? Obviously. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I'll throw another stat at you Stafford right. is undefeated against the Cardinals in the playoffs <laughs> under McVay, hasn't Whoa. lost once. With wow. McVay as his head coach, against that's Arizona. a good one. Something to chew on ahead of this one. No, I, I don't want to be too reactionary to this last game, right? I think that's unfair to the offensive line. I think that's unfair to what we can expect. I think that was just a poor performance, and you've seen teams that have units that are better than that rebound, and I'd expect that overall from the offensive line. I think the question is that kind of first quarter battle is once they settle in and things don't look as bad as they did against the Niners, especially in the ground game, what do you do with it? And, and so I think, you know, maybe that running game is where we need to see it first more than the protection of Stafford, because you're going to need to get more on the ground against pretty much everybody else than you did against the Niners because they're built that specific way for that kind of football. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that it's fair to expect the offensive line to come out gangbusters the way they did against Dallas in that 2018 playoffs. Right. Um, yeah different line entire well I say entirely Whitworth and Havenstein obviously still here but um, I don't know I think I think it's a concern but it's also one that I'm kind of quote-unquote more excited for than I am worried about just because I think it's fairer to be uh, cognizant of what they've done the entire season than just go off of what they did against Niners yeah I have uh, another poll here related to the offensive line as I scroll down uh, it's uh, which offensive lineman is the greatest concern in the Ooh. playoffs um, and I'm curious if you had to guess the order of concern from one to five, because I've got one of each lineman here, it's remarkably spread out to some degree. Uh, there is one person clearly uh, in fifth, I'll say. And but I've got yeah. a hot take for that one, but we'll leave that for a minute. <laughs> what would be your uh, what would be your guess in terms of the order of concern on the offensive line? Yeah, so I think we all understand Whitworth's probably down at fifth. Uh-huh. Maybe Havenstein fourth. Is that true? Uh, that's not true. Oh, but wow. It's so hard to parse these things. But I'll say it's close. It's not, it's like a hair. Which one? David Edwards? Nope. Brian Allen? Nope. <laughs> Austin. Oh, my gosh. Number four, Austin Corbett. Wow. The three, Rob Havenstein, and then you have to guess is the biggest concern. And this one is also separated by one vote. So you have yeah. to guess by one vote. I guess it doesn't really matter which one, but yeah, it's uh, which one. Do you I think? wonder, is it, is it Brian Allen at number one? 
Brian Allen, number one. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had a lot. If you rank these guys going into the season, Brian Allen would have been number one by a mile. So I yes. think there's also a perception that he had to fight back against this season, right? Yeah, that was the kind of thing I talked about early on in the season with Cooper Cup. Was by week four, week five, you obviously, if you were just ranking it on this season alone, you had to rank Cooper Cup number one if you were doing wide receiver rankings. But uh-huh. the reason people the reason why people weren't was before the season they had him ranked, you know. 12th or 14th or something yeah so i think brian allen's had to fight uh, a perception bias all year that that was probably fair but i think clearly he's played himself out of and i just think it's hard for fans to let go of that we we, we struggled with as a fan base for that with troy hill where he had that really really poor first season and i think people struggled to let go of that um and i think i see we can see a little bit of that in brian allen although he hasn't had as much football as troy hill did to redeem himself but a little yeah. bit surprised that he's still that high yeah, it's uh, it seems like, yeah, the focus right now for the fans. And, and what is your uh, hot take there on Andrew Whitworth? Yeah, so I think the I would go greatest concern. My number one would be Whitworth. And it's not because obviously he's the worst or anything. It's for a couple of factors. Number one, he plays left tackle, which mm-hmm. is, let's say, more important than anything else. Number two is his age mm-hmm. and things can come quick. And I was worried about that against the Atlanta Falcons in the wildcard game back in 2017. That was probably that was one of his worst games of the year. And you remember that was the first game under McVay. I was worried that, you know, Whitworth was going to decline pretty quickly. That was his first season with us. And I was worried that that's what was coming, but it looked like it was an anomaly, obviously, where he's gone on to have another four seasons afterwards. But the idea of having a guy of we've, we've never had somebody play left tackle that age in the Uh NFL history. So having that guy being your anchor on the offensive line for a Super Bowl run is just one of those things that I, I think it's hard to be comfortable about. It's um it's so interesting that also this parallels with you know Tom Brady's uh you know post forty career and and how unprecedented it, it all is um not going to get as much attention on a left tackle of course right. uh, as a quarterback is ever going to get but uh well inter- interestingly enough when I said the the Rams are nine and one when uh, Stafford has one or fewer sacks. The uh, one loss is 37-20 to the Cardinals. He wasn't sacked in that game, even though he had uh, 41 attempts. And uh, and then in the game that the Rams won, uh, Stafford was sacked three times, um, but he did have three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, and yeah, these uh, these kinds of numbers do not correlate to, uh, you know, they do correlate. It doesn't uh, prove causation to any degree, and sure. it's certainly not predictive. Um, and any team would say, we don't want turnovers. We don't want, we don't want the quarterback to get sacked. It's as obvious as that. Um, but with regards to the Rams stacking up in the NFC playoffs, I thought this is an interesting answer, uh, as well. How do the Rams stack up in the NFC playoffs? Are they the best team? Are they the second best team? Are they the third best team? Are they fourth or worse? Joe, what would you uh, say and what would you guess that the fans said? I hope the fans said that we're the best. That's our job as the fans is mm. to say that we're the best. If if I had to vote being honest, I, I probably think they're second best behind Green Bay, but it also doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter who's better. It only matters right. who wins. So the Bucs were I, not probably the best vote team second going best. the playoffs last year. Do what? I was just saying you're right that the, and like the Bucs were not the best team going yeah. into the playoffs last year. Exactly. So I, I'd vote for us as the second best team behind Green Bay, but I also think that doesn't matter. I'll be excited if we can get to an NFC championship against them, if that's how it ends up working out. But uh, I, would, I would hope the fans said that we're the best team. 
the optimism is uh, solely with yourself. Uh, no, no. <laughs> it's actually a tie right now. Crazy enough. Second best and, and third? third best oh, is tied no. uh, at uh, 38% each. And then at 18% is fourth or worst. Wow. Uh, so that would be, I suppose, third. And then, uh, and then the best team is the least amount. Five, only 5% of uh, Rams fans. Who would the be the third the best team, team that I, not the Cowboys, right? I'm guessing uh, they definitely uh, would be siding with the, pa- yeah, the Packers and the Bucks are the two obvious ones, but I guess sure. it's, it's, it's not even really close between fourth and best. Like best is not close to the other three. So it's got to be either Cowboys on, guys. or 49ers maybe because they're feeling bad about the 49ers. <laughs> I wonder how, how, much, how different this would have been if the Rams finished with the same record but had won in week 18. Totally. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's so much, uh, you know, and I think I've, I've always uh, – adhered to the the belief that you know um there is no momentum whether that's in game right also like i think there's no momentum going into the playoffs there's no momentum going into an off season like i think like we see so many times that a team like you know remember the kansas city chiefs won 10 straight games going to the playoffs you know rebounded from a one and five start or whatever it was and they just got wiped out in the wild card round you know sometimes the ravens uh, in 2012, they they went into the playoffs. I think losing four out of five, and then they won the Super Bowl. But like, it's it's to me, it's like I'm not really into that momentum swing. Uh, it's like you could be, oh yeah, you know, because the Rams. Look at the team they're even putting out there on Monday night. Hey, the Rams didn't have Cam Akers until just now, you know. So it's like that's there's just like little differences like that. It's and similarly they did they had Jordan Fuller. So it's like it's almost like a different team where would you rank the uh, bucks and the packers right now can you can you imagine like bringing up momentum in december <laughs> in the s- middle of the second quarter during this game like <laughs> hey i know it's second and six but let's talk about week 15 that's <laughs> that's what about it right exactly. um, yeah i'm not i'm not as huge on tampa bay i think they've just got some structural stuff but they got tom and that's the problem is yeah you know as mu- as much as i can look at that and criticize the roster and say oh i don't think i'm not buying on it the problem is you get to the third quarter with tom brady in the playoffs and that's like uh there's no yeah. there's no way to bet against him so um yeah i mean i i i think the rams are quote unquote better but but like we said, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, that's what you play these games for. And by the time we get into the action, it's not gonna, it's not. We're, we're not gonna care about the like. We were talking about this idea of the Cardinals being for, uh, for picking first overall, and and that being kind of a referendum on the quality of the roster. You you look at that front seven; they've got major, major roster issues. Now, obviously, uh-huh. Chandler Jones is a great player, but that's not a great front seven overall. So that's the kind of thing where I, where I look at those kind of units on different kind of teams and wonder when when you get to the playoffs and you don't have to have a varied offense you can just attack that front seven over and over and over and over and over those are the kind of things that I worry about and I, I think that's kind of going to be the issue for the Buccaneers in their secondary I, I don't see how Stafford and Rodgers and, and they did in the re- regular season we already saw it but I, I don't know how they don't pick those guys apart again and I just don't trust the Buccaneers offense overall to keep up with teams like the Rams and the Packers yeah. but, but like I said I wouldn't bet against Tom Brady ever and I don't bet on sports so Please don't spend money on what I just said for the <laughs> I think like um yeah, spend NFTs if anything. But uh 
I, I think uh, Tom Brady, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you, you bring up uh, potential issues there on the Buccaneers and whether or not they're as good of a team as, as some of the other teams out there. And then ultimately it's like, if, if at the end of the day, like the NFC championship or the divisional round comes down to bucks versus Rams, there's so many things that you would say like, Oh, the Rams have this, that, or the other thing. Yep. Ultimately, you can never erase the fact that in a playoff game, it's Tom Brady versus Matthew Stafford. Yep. Like that's yep. it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we'll see uh, what, what happens there with uh, the Bucks because I just, when people say like, oh, who do, who are you picking? It's like, I just, I just can't pick against a guy who has 11 how Super Bowls. You, how are you, you going to pick against Brady, man? Like, yeah. It's so hard to do it at this point. Uh, what what the, has he yet to prove to people? <laughs> like, I know. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just some early career luck. Just going into pan. that thing, <laughs> just in that part, just if you isolated one, if you could ever isolate one quarterback in NFL history who won a Super Bowl on one team and then won another Super Bowl with a different team two years later. And, you know, forget about this fact that he had won Super Bowls before that. Forget about the fact that he did it after 40. Like just the fact that he just did that. And we don't even talk about like how he did anything just did else. that yeah. Yeah. because it's just like, there's so many other things he's done. So <laughs> This isn't a Tom Brady podcast, but I, it's just so hard when the playoff gets. Isn't there. isn't every NFL podcast a, a Tom Brady podcast? Ultimately, degree. I think, and including ones hosted by Tom Brady. It's yeah. one of those graphs where, as time goes on, the the likelihood of an NFL podcast becoming a Tom Brady podcast <laughs> reaches one or whatever that math equation is. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, getting it down uh, here to the final questions: uh, Which Rams player should get the second most targets? Well, I wrote first. I wrote which Rams player should get the second most targets in the playoffs, and then I was like, "Well, I guess I should follow that up." Which which Rams player should get the third most targets? Because people are going to want to have this answer, the other answer. Yeah. Um, you've got OBJ, Tyler Higby, oh, Van tough. Jefferson, Ben Skowronek, Cam Akers. I, I wanted to throw him in there. Other uh, and then again, oh, you know, all that kind of stuff here for the third most targets. Um, where are you going after Cooper cup? Do you think that's interesting? That's interesting. You also wrote for the playoffs and not for this, this single in the playoffs. Game. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a little tough because we haven't seen too much. I, I do remember they didn't use Higby in the last one. I think that was when he was missing, right. Was the, the last Cardinals game when he was out with the, COVID protocols or whatever. Yeah. Um, I could, I could see him being so useful in attacking the middle of that defense. So I'm, I might go Higgs with the second most targets. How did you feel about Higby uh, for the first few, you know, couple few years of his career? And how did you feel about commenters who hated Tyler Higby? Like, did you see that side to it? I didn't see a ton that hated him. I mean, he's obviously not like a pig bee or whatever. It is. <laughs> I love how whenever we're being dumb on the internet, we turn into six-year-olds. Like all, <laughs> all of our names are the stuff that you... <laughs> yeah, not the best. <laughs> Kenneth Crapther, more like no. I, yeah, right. I don't know. It's Higby's never been a fan. He's not. He's not a top three tight end or whatever. But he's never been bad, and he's always been really reliable. Right. Yeah. Uh, good hybrid guy. Very functional in the blocking game. Great hands. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy, there's, there's a reason he's been around for as long as he has across quarterbacks and still has the role that he does, even though, you know, the Rams brought in Gerald Everett. They've obviously drafted a couple other guys that, you know, some of them play tight end or maybe I, they don't, I don't even know. <laughs> right. But that, that's kind of what made 
Higby such a consistent part of this offense is that he's that reliable in every facet. So I could totally see him being second in targets overall. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the question is going to be when, when we get past the Cardinals, what, what Odell Beckham Jr. looks like. Cause you, you know, you talk about a red zone. If you get in, into the red zone, it gets the Cowboys or the Packers or the Buccaneers. Those are must have situations. You got to get touchdowns out of your red zone opportunities. And we've seen that Beckham hasn't been terribly productive or successful, but he's been in a great addition for red zone opportunities. And so I, I could put it like this. I wouldn't be surprised if Higby was the second uh, most targeted player this weekend, mm-hmm. but if by the end of the playoffs, Odell Beckham Jr. was, that wouldn't surprise me at all. It's hard to say that we've like uh, really gotten such a good look at Odell Beckham Jr. and the Rams that we could even start to imagine what uh, he might look like a year from now. You know, he, he's just... Um, He's making plays at key moments and that makes you go like, great. And then at the same time, you know, it's like I'm looking at it here now, you know, it's like he's playing, he played 91% of the snaps against the Vikings. He played 98% of the snaps against the Ravens. You know, he's out there all the time, but we don't talk about him as much because he hasn't topped 40 yards. I was going to say he hasn't been very productive at all. Yeah. So it's like, he's out there a ton, but it's not like, it's almost like, you know, the Cardinals have a wide receiver who play who replaced Deandre Hopkins. Uh, And it's not anybody that anyone's ever heard of. It's Antoine Wesley. He's out there for 50, 60 snaps a week, but he doesn't do anything except to make, he's got, he's got a few touchdowns uh, and it's kind of similar in that way to Odell Beckham Jr. What, what are your thoughts in the very little that we see of Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, with regards to, yeah, like it's hard to even project what that future could look like. Cause it, it's just not the, it's just not a lot of targets. I see your Antoine Wesley slander. I see you. <laughs> you, you with your agenda. Shout, shout out to Texas tech football. Um, and that's to hooking a, an old buddy up for, uh, with a job. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's so hard. There's certain positions like take Von Miller, right. Where you can join a team mid season and transition pretty easily. There's not yeah. a ton that you need to get over, you know, in terms of structure or technique or things like that. You can, you can pretty much fold yourself into that side of the ball immediately. But for Odell Beckham Jr. in his role in the offense, that's got to be incredibly difficult to join an entirely different offensive system mm-hmm. and play as much as he has. So mm-hmm. I think it's somewhat unfair to expect him to be anywhere near his most productive. And like you said, he hasn't, what'd you say, didn't even get over 40 yards. Just it, it's, I think it's almost impossible to put up those kind of numbers unless you're just over, you know, turning over your entire offense for the sake specifically of getting him involved. Uh, and I think it, it doesn't benefit the Rams to have done that. And you, you look at the quality of football they've played since they traded for him. I think it's uh, justified the decision and how they've approached it. But certainly if, if, if you're going to get your money's worth out of this move, it's going to be over the next month. And so we'll have to see. I think, I think it's difficult to say that we should be relying on him to produce more. But, but like I mentioned, you condense the field into the red zone. There's not a ton of things there that McVeigh needs to control. Who was it that Odell Beckham Jr. ran that route against where he went all the way to the back of the end zone and turned the guy around almost like a basketball run underneath the, the basket where he turned him backwards and then when he wasn't looking, went to the corner. Do you remember who that was? I don't. Uh, it was, I can't pull that. It was one of those things where it's not, you know, that's not a route that is, you know, 
stru structured into the play script. That's just Odell Beckham Jr. knowing how to lose a guy in the end zone yeah. and having a quarterback watch him. And that's the kind of thing where, you know, in between the 20s, you can't do that kind of thing because there's too much. The, the defense is able to prevent it. But when you get into the red zone and you can get a one-on-one -on -one either at the back or in the corner and you can just let your skill take over. And obviously that's what he did there. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I hate to like uh, even again, do like splits or talk about first half versus second half, but sure. it's undeniable yeah. that like the Rams were a potent offense with Robert Woods and they haven't been a potent offense. You know, it's rare that they've only put up over 30 points once. And that was against the Jaguars uh, since the Titans game, you know, the 28, 16. So it's like, what I think in the NFL today, if you're not scoring 28, if you're not scoring 30, you're not going to win. You're not going to keep up like other. Eventually you will run into a team that is just consistently, whether it's the Packers or, or, or another team, the Bucks. it's like, you're, you're eventually you're going to run into a team. Like the, the Cowboys obviously feeling themselves right now, but it's yeah. like the Rams 20, 30, 20, 24, you know, it's like squeaking out these victories. How much do you think, uh, I, you know, I said the concern with Jordan Fuller, what would be your concern level for, for losing Robert Woods, even though it was quite a while ago? It's very high. Um, not, not just because he's a great wide receiver, he's a great blocker on the outside. I think the other thing is the, if we're talking about an X factor, and this is part of what complimented Robert Woods and a lot of the different ways we used him is, We've got to get more out of the running game, man. And, and coming off of the Niners game, okay, obviously you got to get more than that. But, you know, when we talked about Cooper Cup and the idea of his outputs coming down, the Rams are going to have to get more out of the ground game. That's, that's you know, attributable to the quality of blocking. It's attributable to the play calling, obviously. And we know McVay isn't a run-heavy guy, but you, you, you can't diminish the impact that the run has in opening things up for passing systems and the Rams just haven't gotten a ton of it. Sure. Injuries have affected that, but that's just one thing where, you know, if we, you can't put it all on Stafford and Cooper cup and expect them to put up 30 points. If you're not getting yards on the ground and inflicting some physicality up front to soften things for what the Rams need to do with Cooper cup and other guys. So I, I think, I think, yeah, it really hurts losing Robert Woods. Absolutely. Uh, in a lot of ways, but I think the Rams are structured. Well, and especially when they signed OBJ, if they hadn't signed OBJ, it could have been much more calamitous, but mm -hmm. they had the, what I guess, just the good fortune of signing him. What was it? Hours after the practice, I forget the timeline, but it was really, really close to the idea where they got really, really lucky that yeah. they brought in OBJ right as Robert Woods got injured. Yeah. And I, think they, I think they're able to deal with that. I think they're able to deal with the Jordan Fuller loss. I don't know that they're going to be able to deal with, uh, opposing defenses if they can't get more out of the ground game than what they've gotten against some of these really quality teams this year. Last two questions uh, and to get out of it, uh, get out of these uh, survey and uh, out of this podcast, but uh, and I, out of these pants, <laughs> these pants, <laughs> I got uh, shorts under my sweat, so I'm good to go. Uh, I got uh, big, you mentioned X factors and uh, yeah, I got, I've already written a, an article uh, highlighting the fact that Greg Gaines was the runaway winner for biggest X factor on the defense. I kind of had to be a little bit judicious going down the roster and being like, okay, what I, I don't even know who qualifies as an X factor. I'm just kind of like throwing. I was going to say, you could do like here. 20 guys, right? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I'm trying to pick people who aren't too big and not too yeah. small. And so Greg Gaines, I, I had a feeling he was going to be the favorite of course. And uh, you know, he was, and he, and he's dominating that, that voting, um, uh, and then on offense, 
uh, it's a really split between two players uh, and the players that I listed out were Van Jefferson, uh, Ben Scourman, yeah. who's really kind of yeah. a stretch right there, but uh, Sony yeah. Michelle, Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers, and Jake Funk. Uh, where, <laughs> where are you at on the X factor for offense? I like the way you just whoever whoever is listed on the running back depth chart. Yeah, <laughs> obviously the running game is a giant X factor and and how they use them. You know, you could you could argue McVay might be as much of an X factor in that regard as the players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Van Jefferson and Skoranek, who who knows who knows how they, those guys get used in in really crucial situations when we get to the second mm-hmm. half of these games. Uh, if the Rams are able to get past the Cardinals and you get into the meat of this playoffs and you're in the second half of a, of a playoff game, given the importance of this season specifically to make a playoff run, it's going to be wild. I think, and think in terms of the defense, defense can be so volatile, right? Where what if Taylor Rapp has an interception this weekend? There's a, you know, those kind of things where everybody would be like, Oh no, obviously he's the X factor. Or somebody has a sack and a half, like a, uh, Terrell Lewis or somebody like, or even Von Miller. Those are the kind of things where you could see them being like X factor types out of nowhere on defense that I don't think is going to happen on offense. I'll give you one other candidate. I think it's in, interesting that you didn't do just like a list of X factors because somebody that I'd include that's not on offense or defense is Matt Gay, right? Oh, as yeah. great as he's been this season, it's the, it's the playoffs. We know the margins can be tight as hell. There's a good chance the Rams are relying on Matt Gay either to tie the game or mm-hmm. win the game late. And it might not be from very close. So those are the kind of things where when you talk about an X factor, I think we'd all have confidence in him. Obviously, he's a Pro Bowl candidate kicker this season, but that that doesn't, you know, negate the reality that in playoff totally. football, there's a good chance you need your kicker to be the best guy that he is. Absolutely. And did you uh, what, what's your end of season evaluation on uh, Johnny Hecker? Because I know there was a lot of, you know, <sighs> there was a lot of consternation over that decision at the punter position going into the season. Sure. And had Bohorquez, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's tough. I mean, we, obviously, Johnny Hecker was a fantastic and maybe maybe is still, but certainly was a fantastic punter. And for the last two seasons, hasn't been at that level that we got used to. I think it's it's difficult to try to, you know, come to a decision on when you really need to accept, you know, a decline in play and maybe the decision to move on. I think it's obviously more of a discussion that we've needed to have than at any time before. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Rams either bring somebody else in again, or if they decide to go ahead and make the change this offseason. but it's definitely a situation where Hecker hasn't played himself out of those conversations. Right. Uh, finally, I had uh, what's the number one thing that the Rams need to execute well on Monday to beat the Cardinals. Um, I said, I will post the top five answers. I don't really even think I need to. There were, there were two uh, very clear answers uh, one, as you said, run the damn ball. Okay. Uh, and number two, uh, no turnovers. You know, people uh, yeah. upset about the turnovers. Um, what would you, what, what would be number, what would be number three? What would you throw in there uh, that the Rams really need to do against the Cardinals? Yeah, third and medium, getting stops. It's really, really, really hard to deal with this Cardinals offense on third and medium because Tyler can run. So obviously you get into short down situations. People like to get tight up front. You can deal with those for the most part pretty successfully defensively. Third and long, those are always difficult for offense. But that third and six, third and five, that's where Kyler is particularly more dangerous than a lot of other quarterbacks around the league because of his skill set. And, you know, if the Rams, put it like this, the difference between going, you know, two for five in those situations and going four for five could be the difference in the game, depending on what happens after those, those third downs, right? 
that's uh we had to uh, contain Kyler Murray in here. So you're not, uh, you're not totally alone here. Keep Murray in the pocket, Sim- yeah. similar to that, yeah. but yeah, great points. Uh, which is why I love having these conversations with you whenever you can join us on the podcast. It's uh, fantastic. Thank you, Joe McAtee for doing it while we were recording this breaking news. Uh, David Coley let go by the Texans, another head coaching uh, position that has become open. Uh, any thoughts on uh Another open head coaching position there. What a fantastic opening. I'm sure people will be flocking to that <laughs> incredibly well-run franchise at a chance to coach a very, very well-developed roster. Yeah. Absolutely. With a I franchise mean, quarterback in the waiting. Who wants to come back and everybody's happy with that whole situation. <laughs> oh Good man. Lord. Yeah. Well, Coley, uh, you, I think everyone knew that. Yeah. Walking into a bad one there. And uh, he's a good coach though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, he, he deserves better. He deserved better. Yeah. Um, he'll, he'll get, he'll get a job obviously, but I'd like to see him get a better opportunity than that to really get a chance to be a head coach. Um, one last thing, cause I always wanted to ask it. Well, uh, that it makes me think too. It's like, there's no way that uh, you could, you know, there's no way that Cliff Kingsbury gets fired if the Cardinals lose, even if they get lose bad, because uh, the, the Cardinals have never had very many coaches who can ever win 11 games. Um, but uh, losing four or five, if, if the if the Cardinals do look bad in this game, um, do you think there's a, a little bit of a shakiness there in Arizona? Well, I think the shakiness is just of a team that hasn't done this much and obviously hasn't done it much with Kingsbury in his three years there where Year one, I think they were what five and eleven, right? And yeah. then year two, I know they were eight and eight last year. Yeah. And then whatever they are this year, uh, ten and seven or eleven and six, whatever it was, eleven and six because we won it on the last day. So, um, you know, th- this is not a team that's accustomed to doing what the Buccaneers did: is playing their best football late in December and into the playoffs. And it doesn't surprise me at all that that's what happened. Look at look at what happened with the Colts, right? Mm-hmm. Where you you've got teams that aren't necessarily attuned to the rigors of being this kind of a team where if you, if you're going to be a good team, you're not evaluated on what you do weeks one through 12. You're evaluated on getting into position for the playoffs and then summoning your best football. So I I, I don't think it, you know, you mentioned the idea he's not getting fired. So I, and I don't think it's anything in that mode. I think it's more of, they showed that this is a team that isn't necessarily internally ready for the pressures of being that kind of, for being a division winner. If you want to be kind of blunt about it, right, that was what the cost was, was they lost the division, they lost home field, and, and, and it's because of, you know, a lack of, gosh, what do, you want to, what do you want to boil it down to? It's not necessarily like preparation, but kind of the intent, the kind of thing that you know Tom Brady never fails at, right? The kind of thing that you know, for the most part, the Steelers and Mike Tomlin never fail at. They're always capable of doing that kind of thing. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is just a hump that they need to learn from. I hope they don't. But for, yeah. for, a, for, a, for let's say, a quote-unquote young team that's young in their success, their era of success, it doesn't surprise me at all. That's how they kind of limped into the end of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see which uh, Cardinals team. I, I mean, we know which what to expect. I, I don't think, like as you said, JJ Watt will have uh, a massive. Uh, will have a massive frame, that's for sure. Um, but uh, thank you, Joe, for coming back on to Turf Show Times again. Anything else you'd like to plug or say before we get out of here? 
Let's talk about the 2022 NFL draft next time, man. We've got, I, would like I know to. the Rams aren't picking much, but there's still right. plenty to discuss <laughs> and plenty to look at your newsletter for anybody listening that doesn't subscribe to your newsletter. Good gore. Change that immediately. <laughs> it's been fantastic. Great resource. And what a fun season of college football this was, man. I, I, uh, I agree. It's been, it's such a, it's so fascinating. Football is fascinating how much it's changing so rapidly, but then also oh. college football is changing so rapidly. Uh, the draft is changing rapidly. I'm looking at, I want to talk about like, I, I'm just like looking at it now. I think we're getting closer and closer. Cause I look at guys like Bryce young and CJ Stroud. And I'm like, I there's guys here, Brock Bowers. There's guys here that need to go in the NFL. Now, you know, that Caleb kid Williams. Ohio state needs to go in there now. Yeah. Caleb, Caleb Williams. Williams. Yeah. It's uh, it's so interesting and fascinating. And, and you're seeing now with NIL deals, maybe anything is possible. Maybe that change could happen. Um, well, thanks again, Joe, everybody go follow Joe on Twitter and, uh, turf show times is, uh, the place where you can find this podcast and a lot of, uh, writing here on the Rams for the 2022 playoffs and the 2022 draft and beyond. So, uh, that's it for this episode. Stay tuned for the last minute thoughts podcast, which will be this weekend, uh, as Robin JB preview the Rams and Cardinals and give their last minute thoughts.